Welcome to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, a ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. At First Baptist Church, our vision is to be people deeply rooted in the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ, who then reach out into our neighborhood, city, and the world as we live and share the good news. Here is this week's Rooted and Reaching message from FBC Charlottetown. Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27 record this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God said... Let us make humans in our image, in our likeness. That that is an immensely powerful statement for those of us who read it. As humans, we can become really prideful. I mean, even arrogant as ones who bear the image of the Creator. We can be a bit like those Jewish religious leaders who told Jesus that they felt that They were universally known as Abraham's children. That somehow gave them a pass. That allowed them to mistreat others and to embrace a sort of religious superiority. And it seems to me that just as they should have been humble in their origins, we should be humble by these words relative to our own origins, having been made in God's image. God could have given us any identity he wanted. He could have placed on humans the exact same worth that he placed on rabbits or llamas. But he created humans differently with an innate value and an innate identity that comes from God himself. Psalm 19.1 said it, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. See, those are words that confirm how nature and creation itself display God's creativity. They display God's generosity. They display God's intelligent design over everything. But they don't bear His image. Neither do the animals that crawl or the animals that fly. Only humans can rightly claim to bear the image and the likeness of God. And that reality should drive us to our knees. And and that's why these words from the final day of creation, well, they might also fill us with some grief, regrets. Because I'll go, I'll go so far as to say, I wonder aloud if it's even possible in today's world for these words, made in God's image, to be truly and fully understood for what they're factually saying to you and me. This is what we're going to com- consider repeatedly in this series. How does, or maybe how should, the doctrine of creation itself impact the world and, closer to home, the church? This series is called Imago Dei, Latin words that mean the image or likeness of God. 
And so for four weeks, we're going to explore what it means to be made in God's likeness, what it meant in the beginning, what it meant to that image at the fall, what it ought to look like today in this world, and finally, what being created in the image of God will mean when God redeems the world in the last days. This will probably be a little more heady, a little more academic in content than most of what I preach. But I hope that the application points will become obvious and the whole thing will be accessible to all of us. So let me take you back to those verses that I started out with, especially the part in Genesis 1.26 where God says, let us make humans in our image, in our likeness. So what do we take away from these few words? Well, these words are actually part of a a conversation among the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit. The Trinity is eternal, though both the Son and the Spirit entered into creation at a much later time. The doctrine of the Trinity asserts that the triune God, the God who is three in one, has always been. That He existed from before the beginning of creation. He existed before the beginnings that are outlined in Genesis chapter 1. When God set out to create the heavens and the earth. That is huge. That perfect union that spoke the universe into being is also the basis for the identity that you and I were created to possess. We're going to come back to that whole idea of human identity in a few moments though. A couple other things. Let's not miss these. If we really want to fully understand and apply these verses, consider that there are two creation accounts in the book of Genesis. You find one in chapter 1, you find another in chapter 2. What we just read is from the first account, and that includes the full details of the order and process of creation, including God's creation of human beings. Psalm number 8, verses 4 to 8 asks the question, and we heard it this morning, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. (laughs) That couldn't be better timing. (laughs) Thank you, Vivian. (laughs) You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory. And honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. God made humans as the pinnacle of his creation. It's also worth pausing and recognizing in that way that systematically and intentionally, Everything created by God had been pronounced at its completion good. Good. But upon creating humans in the image of God, there's this divine statement. At that point, creation is now complete. It's now declared by God to be very good. The place in creation that God gave to humans, and in addition to attach his own likeness to them, to us, is worth remembering. It's worth celebrating and giving thanks to God for. He says you're very good. Now, so far I've used the word identity in relation to human creation. and 
I've used it about eight times so far. It'll probably come up again. In our world today, when you start having a conversation about human identity, invariably that becomes a very charged conversation. Discussions about the realities of human identity frequently end in confusion, hurt, sadness, even broken relationships. And so I want to be clear as we start this series that I'm not intending any of this to be a contribution to that debate. If this series is actually focused in any one specific direction, that direction is toward the closest mirror. Okay? I hope that through this series, through studying God's Word together, that we're going to be challenged, that we're going to be, uh, be challenged to courageously look into the mirror and then ask whether our identities, as those created originally to bear the image of God, is in fact rooted in God alone. To be imago Dei, created in the image of God, means that humans were originally created to possess this innate and ideal identity as ones bearing the very likeness of Almighty God. So I think it would serve us well to concern ourselves less with how someone else might live out their identity and instead look hard into the mirror and gauge how well you're living out yours and I'm living out mine. So as we come away from this account at the creation, human beings have just begun to grasp how much God values and cherishes his created children to the extent that the Holy Trinity goes so far as to bestow his image onto and within that human creation. And even now, as that thinking, that scriptural realization crystallizes in our minds and hearts, it, it really highlights some, some important implications and important reminders for we who are in Christ. I see four that I want to share this morning. Implications that come when we accept and when we embrace this beautifully mysterious truth that all humans characteristically are created to bear the image of God. First thing is that accepting that biblical truth means by extension that the earliest followers of the God of Israel were taught to live as those who belong to God their creator. And they were meant to display the attributes of God in all aspects of life as much as a human being can possibly do. It meant for them that their truest identity was to be seen in a resemblance to God in all things, all areas of life, all thoughts, all convictions, all actions, all intentions. Once we accept that we've been created in the image and likeness of God, and when we submit to the Holy Spirit constantly and ongoingly shaping and forming us all, in the more, all the more into His image, we ought to be seeing in that mirror that we look in observable evidence of His formative work and restorative work in us. I have to ask myself, when I look at myself objectively, when I look at myself through the eyes of Christ, do I see a deep kingdom commitment, a Christian devotion, love, loyalty, service to God and to others? And is that what your mirror reflects back to you? Second thing, since the Bible is repeatedly and abundantly clear in the conviction that Jesus was God, key 
is God, key doctrine related to the divinity of Jesus is that to see Jesus was to see God. To function in the image of God, as Genesis 1 says humans were created to do, it was and it is to function as Jesus functioned, to live out Jesus' example in this world. Those who want to look like Jesus more and more every day, I would say should be holding the same divine priorities that he held, offering the same selfless servanthood that he held. Is that what my mirror reflects back to me? Inwardly, this is part uh, point three, inwardly to the earliest believers, Imago Dei meant being the fullest self, living out the fullest humanity, totally displaying the intended identity that God gave them through remaining in proper relationship to and with God. Reflecting the image of God. Being in a deepening relationship with God. These are all key to us understanding our entire purpose for being. Is that what my mirror reflects back to me? The final implication to accepting that human beings are indeed created in the image of God is to admit that humans, all humans, are divinely valuable at the moment of their creation. Life is valuable because it's sacred. It's a created, blessed gift of God. To put in words the beauty of that truth as it was understood, at least in the Old Testament era, we run straight to Psalm 139, verses 13 to 18, which says, For you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. God's act of human creation inherently means that human life is valuable. It's precious and it's God's to both give and to take away. Is that a conviction that I see reflected back in my mirror? A surrendered life that includes fully devoted worship and service of and to our Creator God in whose image we're made is the best example of what human beings were created to be and to do. The intimacy with God that was enjoyed by humans immediately following creation is the identity God meant for all humans to have, to bear, and to celebrate and that God called very good. But we don't. We don't. We have at best shades of that relationship. We are given glimmers of that intimacy and holiness. None of us have 100% the identity that God meant for us to have, okay? None of us. In this world, humans spend so much time putting on masks. I think it's especially true in our adolescent years, but not only then. Do we adopt this persona? Do we adopt that behavior? And we mirror the actions and thoughts of this person or that person, thinking that at long last, if we adopt that identity, it'll be the right identity and we'll feel complete and we'll feel whole. And unfortunately, just as Satan convinced the first humans that the identity that God gave them wasn't the right one for them, 
He's still doing that in the world today. And so long as we keep moving as humans from mask to mask, from identity to identity, we're never going to experience the wholeness that only God can provide because only His likeness has been inherently built into every single one of us. Outside of being a fully devoted child of God at heart, every other identity that we try to claim, adopt, or put on is a costume. It's an act. It's a pretense. As a human being, male and female, our truest form is one that is shaped like, looks like, and lives like the God of the Bible. This morning, here at first, we have the ordinance of communion, the Lord's Supper. See, it's the way that the church at Jesus' direction is told to remember who it is, but more than that, who He is. What Jesus did for each one of us. When we claim the symbols of Jesus' body and Jesus' blood, they're an admission They're an admission that we're not who we're meant to be. That we don't behave as we ought to behave and we don't think as we ought to be thinking. But we can in Christ alone. And so before we recall Jesus' words and directives regarding the bread and the cup... I'd like to invent, uh, invent, nope, invite Pastor Dave to come and pray for us. You've been listening to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, a weekly ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. Our theme music is inspired by Ben Sound. For more information or to support the ministries of FBC Charlottetown, please visit our website, myfbc.ca today. If you found the content of today's podcast encouraging, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and drop us a comment. In addition, consider sharing today's Rooted and Reaching podcast with at least one other person this week who might be blessed through it or become better biblically rooted through it. Until next time, thank you for listening.